Hey, New York, they're coming for you. <laughs> Look up. Burning Man and Maui or Ukraine. Hmm. An interesting choice of uh, phenomenons. Why is my, hang on, I just got to try something here. Give me a quick second while I look at, no, it's not another one of those. It's not like the last time. <laughs> we, uh, we managed to solve those problems, I think. Welcome to the Jay Sheldon Show. Happy Tuesday. Yeah, we took Liberty Day off <clears throat> yesterday, <clears throat> but that's all right. Uh, every now and then, you know, you have to take a day off just to recuperate get back on schedule, get back in line. And yes, I have a new microphone tonight. So if it sounds a little different, we're still working some of the bugs out. But uh, yeah, I got a brand new uh, brand new mic, which is actually, I think, from what I hear, it sounds great. So, all right, we'll see. Our live chat is open. Anything you want to talk about, you want to comment on or promote, whatever, I don't care. You Whatever you want, just stick it in there. It's in the live chat. I'm watching it here and... Uh, We'll react to that and let you know. Um, we got lots going on tonight, but first of all, we want to remind you about our great sponsor, Blackout Coffee. Oh, man, these guys are the real deal. <clears throat> the best small batch coffee on the planet. And in fact, at work, on duty, Operation Blackout, they send coffee to the troops. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, they've got the most amazing coffee. And the reason it is so amazing is because they source premium grade beans, green beans. And uh, these specialty coffees are grown at the perfect altitude, correct time of year, the right best soil, harvested at just the right time. And they work with local co-ops and American farmers who grow this high quality coffee. They adopt a strict adherence to small batch roasting. And when you order, Blackout Coffee is roasted, packed, and shipped lightning speed, usually 24 to 48 hours. And that means you get the beans just days after they've been roasted. You buy that crap on the shelf of the supermarket, how long ago do they roast that? A month? Two months? Six months? Could be. You don't know. You know with Blackout Coffee, and you will know even more when you try this stuff, because it is incredible. This coffee, I'm telling you, I swear by it. It is what fills up the Jay Sheldon Show coffee mug. You can get one of these, too, by the way, at our merch store. Mmm. Oh, man. That stuff, it's just kick-ass coffee that is so good. Throw away that liberal tears junk, brown water you've been drinking. Try a bag, a single bag of blackout coffee. That's all you need to do. And I promise you'll be back for more because this stuff is incredible. And this company is all about American values, respect, honesty, family values. They really do support everything that's good about our country. And I hope that you will support them by checking out the website, use the link in our show notes, and uh, get yourself a bag of blackout coffee. Um, man, it's good stuff. All right. So you celebrated Labor Day. <laughs> uh, picnics, barbecues, outdoorsy kind of stuff. Well, the New York Police Department was watching. <laughs> Check this out. It's from Reclaim the Net. New York Police Department deployed drones to monitor Labor Day weekend parties. 
Why? What business is it of you? Invasive technology? Much. The NYPD announced they're going to deploy drones as uninvited guests at private backyard gatherings this weekend. Continues to ignite a debate over personal freedom, privacy, a treacherous line that the government authorities seem keen to cross as much as possible. Responding to complaints about large gatherings over the upcoming Labor Day celebrations, the assistant commissioner, Kaz Dowertry, stated drones will come into play if it's a large crowd, a large party in the backyard gets reported. So if you've got one of those idiot neighbors who, you know, every time your dog barks, he calls the cops, you can be pretty sure you're going to be visited by some drones. Showcases a worrying amount of unbelievable overreach by authorities. Criticism comes from private advocates, citizens who know the value of freedom. Uh, it does feel like we are living in this weird dystopian sci-fi um, future. We're living it right now. These police surveillance revelations. Mayor Adams, does he endorse this eerie future? Alarmingly, NYPD seems to be rather coy about revealing their drone policies. A request for comment from Mayor Adams only received links to laid-back guidelines for private drone operations in the city. <laughs> Unbelievable. So yeah, you have a party in your backyard, you have a barbecue with your friends, doesn't matter. I mean, Labor Day was yesterday, so I'm sure you all had some cookouts, end of the summer type stuff. But it, like I said, it doesn't matter. Anytime. Got a graduation coming up, kid's birthday party. You got one of those idiot neighbors that complains about everything. The drones are coming for you. <laughs> uh, digital ID, <clears throat> our probably second favorite topic on this show. The U.S. government has invited organizations to help it accelerate its adoption of digital ID. Oh boy, just more dystopian future for you. There appears to be a real sense of urgency among several governments, international organizations, not only to implement, but speed up as much as possible, the adoption of digital IDs. One of these entities is our own U.S. government. National Institute of Standards and Technology, NIST. We all remember that from the bullshit 9-11 report. They're now inviting anyone with expertise and products to join the push for a speedy deployment of digital IDs on mobile devices. NIST Cybersecurity Center is in charge with implementing the project, which is public slash private in nature. They're developing reference infrastructure standards, basically, stated as the goal that those interested would be working on. Now, it may or may not appease the critics of digital IDs like this guy, 
NIST is promising the infrastructure will be privacy-focused and secure. Oh, yeah. How can you tell they're lying? Their lips are moving. <laughs> the government's agency is on one hand offering platitudes about privacy and security to cover the issues of the key criticisms about the very concept and implementation of digital IDs. Oh, and see, what did I tell you? NIST is betting on convenience. Oh, it'll be so convenient for you. When it speaks about the ease of adoption and use as a way of luring in as many people as fast as possible. And that's exactly what they're doing. They are luring you in. And the sheep out there, the sheep out there are just going to go, uh-huh, yeah, it'll make life much better. Please give me my digital ID. Wait, first I have to have my 57th booster shot. <laughs> hey, what do you think of when you think of Oregon? I've never been there. Oh, I would love to see Oregon, actually. Uh, I think rugged cowboys. I mean, I'm thinking old school Oregon, but, you know, rugged cowboys and people living off the land. Well, maybe not. Would you like your kid to have a stuffed penis? Or a plushy testicle? Apparently they're available in Oregon. Oregon store sells genital-shaped plushies for kids. There you go. Uh, that looks like, I can't tell, maybe a vagina? Obviously a penis here. And this idiot in the middle is the store owner. An Oregon's children's clothing store is selling genital-shaped plushies for kids, which has sparked huge controversy, as well it should, and a lot of irate customers and parents. The Freckled Bee, which is in Salem, Oregon, sells kids' and babies' clothing items and refuses to acknowledge parents' concerns. The store owner, who is a, an OnlyFans starlet, <clears throat> says a lot, says the outrage over its penis, breast, and clitoris-shaped plushies for kids is comical. Libs of TikTok. This store in Oregon sells organ plushies for kids. The owner is very proud of it when kids pick up the plushies and read the information card about it. The freckled bee in an Instagram post shared a photograph of its pink, purple, and orange clitoris-shaped plushies, and this was the caption. The funniest thing about this place is people find the fact that I sell stuffies that are human anatomy as a negative. No, what we find offensive is that you sell them 
to our children. Disgusting. Come on, Oregon. I like to think of you as the cowboys, the old west, people living off the land, people doing the right thing. Good old American values, not plushy penises. <coughs> Apparently, Burning Man has gone the way. There were so many rumors about Burning Man out there. This was from the post-millennial. This was a couple days ago when I was just hitting the fan. Uh, death under investigation at Burning Man as tens of thousands were trapped by mud and rain. It's still under investigation. Here's some of the shots of some of the mess. Why would anybody want to go into this hellhole? 73,000 people trapped at Burning Man in Nevada because of the flooding. They are investigating one death. Uh, the Pershing County Sheriff's Office said the death occurred during the rain event, but would not disclose the cause of death or the person's identity. <clears throat> wow. Uh, at this time, it's still under inv investigation. There were all kinds of rumors all over X. Hang on a second, let me... Yeah. Drowning man update. We got three quarters of an inch of rain. Travel is impossible. And there's about 70,000 people stranded on a barren lake bed. But fortunately, burners are badass and brought all the supplies we need. Or most of us. We got people who came by bus camped on the edge of the city. They're in pop-up tents and at risk of getting hypothermia. But we don't need outside help. We're going to bind together, get radically self-reliant, dry out the furniture, and keep the party going. The alternative is to fall into despair, roll over, and die. And we. Well, that would be the alternative. Like I said, the the rumors, including there was an Ebola breakout at Burning, I know, just it was it was hard to keep up, which is why I was not talking about it until it was all pretty much settled, and appears now it's all been pretty much settled. Weird. I wouldn't. You would not catch me at a Burning Man festival for all the tea in China. Absolutely not. Okay, here we go with the Maui update. It ain't good, folks. Tone deaf is what it says here. This is from Red State. Democrats move to block Maui and Florida disaster relief over Ukraine funding. I'm not kidding. This idiot. In the aftermath of two major, major disasters, in fact, I would not hesitate to qualify the Maui Lahaina fire as probably the worst natural disaster, if it was natural, uh, likely in the history of this country. Florida also hugely affected by the hurricane. People on the ground, navigating their way through the aftermath of all of those tragedies. And Democrats in Washington, what are they doing? Well, they're looking for a way to sabotage aid to those American people 
and looking to spend more on Ukraine. Senator Tammy Duckworth let it be known she would block a plan put forth by Rick Scott to provide aid for the Maui fires and Hurricane Idalia because it doesn't include Joe Biden's demand for another $23 billion for Ukraine. <clears throat> Excuse me. Unbelievable. The rest of this story is in our show notes. I encourage you to read it. This is what the Democrats are doing. They couldn't give a fat rat's ass less about Americans suffering. Unbelievable, untold loss of life. But by God, we got to get those billions over there to the Ukraine. Not another penny, not another dime. Daily Wire. Tennessee District Attorney. Another head shaker for you. The Tennessee District Attorney has blocked from enforcing state law shielding kids from explicit performances. A, ten, a federal judge blocked Tennessee District Attorney from enforcing the state's law which shields children from sexually explicit performances. Ahead of a Pride event after he was sued by the American Civil Liberties Union. Oh, that does still exist, does it? You'd never know. The ACLU filed a lawsuit this week against Blount County, uh, County DA Ryan Desmond, who sent a letter to Blount, Blount County Pride saying any explicit performances in front of children would not be allowed at the Pride event. Now, video has emerged from the Pride events across the country, of course, of all kinds of drag performance, sexual performances presented right in front of children and these idiot parents who bring their kids to these events. It is certainly possible that the event in question will not violate any of the criminal statutes, Desmond said. However, if sufficient evidence is presented to this office, that these referenced criminal statutes have been violated, our office will ethically and justly prosecute these cases in the interest of justice. Well, now that can't happen, thanks to this moron federal judge in Memphis. It could be enforced outside of Shelby County. In late June, District Judge Thomas Parker U.S. District Court for the Western District of Tennessee blocked the law after Friends for Georges, a self-described LGBTQ theater company based in Memphis, filed a suit challenging the law. So if that's the case, then what you're telling me is there would be also no problem if some whacked out child abusing parent wanted to take their kid to a strip club? That'd be okay too? You happy with that? You like that idea? No, oh, it's illegal. You can do it. Why not? 
frankly, some of the stuff I crap I see at these pride parades, it's as bad, if not worse, than I likely stuff that's gone on at strip clubs, at least in front of the public. <clears throat> it's disgusting. And people support this crap. People support this junk. Don't I know my audience, you don't support this. But make it known. Call your reps. Use that link in our show notes. It's always there. Find out who, who represents you. If you don't know, you should know. But if you don't, you can find out. Write them, email them, phone call. Send them a letter, the most effective of all. Tell them you vote and tell them how you feel. We lost a great musician over the weekend. I'm sure you've heard about it by now. But uh, I lived for um, about five years in Key West, <coughs> which is uh, a place that's famous for a lot of reasons, but this guy is one of them. Jimmy Buffett, Margaritaville, passed away at 76 years old. Singer-songwriter well-known for Margaritaville and among many other hits, Jimmy passed away peacefully in the night, September 1st, surrounded by his family, friends, music, and dogs. He lived his life like a song till the very last breath and will be missed beyond measure by so many. Boy, you got that right. There he is, the man, Jimmy Buffett. Son of a son of a gun of a son of a sailor. I love his music and living in Key West, we heard his music a lot. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right. Mm, a couple more little tidbits here. Get a load of this from Fox News. Yeah, I know, Fox News. It's actually a tweet. Who sent the tweet? Oh, Benny Johnson. At Benny Johnson. Hat tip, Benny. Fox News headline. Fauci is concerned that people won't comply if masking recommendations return. Quote, I hope they abide. Fauci, didn't you retire? Then get the hell out. Why is anybody talking to this criminal, this liar, this mass murderer, who's responsible for so many deaths because of his actions and or inactions for the past two or three years. Several businesses, schools, and hospitals have reinstated mask mandates. And some, because of the backlash, thank you guys, you will not compliers like moi they've rescinded their mandates for the masks so there but some people never learn big fish at big fish 3000 on twitter take a look at this this is classic here we go Hang on, let me just switch over. This is uh, The Five from Fox News. Listen to this one idiot. And when, when I, I say, say idiot, idiot, 
I mean, I mean idiot. I won't wear a mask, but I'm going to get the shot. You are? How, what number shot is this for you? I've had it every... T- so I'm, I'm <laughs> doing one in October. I had one in April. How many? What's the total? So this yeah. will be my seventh. Oh, <laughs> seventh And I've had COVID three times. And I've had COVID three times. How, what? Does that even make any sense? Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Where are we going? Uh, okay, order. Then I have egg over three times. These people have viewers that regularly watch them and believe in the things that they say. That's the scariest part of all. Oh no, where's my, ah, okay, I got it. (laughs) Our last one before we head to Animal Farm. Personal drones. Are you a fan of Back to the Future? You remember that movie? I love the original one. The other ones, eh, okay, take them or leave them. But the original Back to the Future, ah, man, what a film. Well, anyway, you know, we all wanted the skateboard. Well, guess what? They did one better. Take a look at this. Look at that, look at that. How cool is, it basically looks like three or six, four or six, eight maybe, high-powered drones lashed together. I don't know how he's controlling them, but check that out, look at this. This is in Vegas, by the way, of course. I want one of these. I'll kill myself using it, but I want one. (laughs) That is so cool. Oh man, check that out. Look at that. This is back to the future stuff, folks. Back to the future. (laughs) Love it. All right. (laughs) Let's move on over to our book, huh? We uh, we read books on this show. We've been doing that almost for the whole history of this show, 440-something shows ago. Uh, we did classic children's literature, Peter Pan, The Wizard of Oz, Little Prince, Alice in Wonderland. So many books, they were great. White Fang. And then uh, one of our viewers suggested um, that we do, uh, you know, I keep forgetting, was it Milk Bone or Mad Bone? I, whatever, if you're out there, thank you. We did 1984 from George Orwell because it's a brilliant book, <laughs> and it was incredible. And so we wanted to keep going with Orwell, and uh, we're doing Animal Farm. We're up in Chapter 7, and uh, we'll continue with that. Uh, by the way, I did check. Sadly, uh, someone suggested that we do um, Catcher in the Rye, which I would love to do. It's not in the public domain. I have written email to the publishing house to see if we can get special permission to read it. If they give it to us, that we'll do that book next. But we need a backup book. So if you got a suggestion, 
It's got to be in the public domain. Just send it along. You can put it in the live chat. You can put it in the comments on the video. Those are two different things, by the way. If you do live chat, we'll be seeing it live right now. If you put the comment, then the comment will be stuck there on the video, and that's fine. No problem. Uh, also, you can email us always, show at jsheldon.com, S-H-O-W, show at jsheldon.com, and let us know what you'd like us to, uh, to do next. So we'll move on and continue on with Chapter 7. We're about halfway through Chapter 7. We're getting to the end of the book, so come on with your suggestions. This is George Orwell's Animal Farm. Suddenly, early in the spring, an alarming thing was discovered. Snowball was secretly frequenting the farm by night. The animals were so disturbed they could hardly sleep in their stalls. Every night, it was said, he came creeping in under the cover of darkness and performed all kinds of mischief. He stole the corn, upset the milk pails, broke the eggs, trampled the seed beds, gnawed the bark off the fruit trees. Whenever anything went wrong, it became usual to attribute it to Snowball. If a window was broken or a drain was blocked up, someone was certain to say that Snowball's come in in the night and done it. And when the key of the store shed was lost, the whole farm was convinced Snowball'd thrown it down the well. Curiously enough, they went on believing this even after the mislaid key was found under a sack of meal. The cows declared unanimously that Snowball crept into their stalls, milked them in their sleep. The rats, which had been troublesome that winter, were also said to be in league with Snowball. Napoleon decreed there should be a full investigation into Snowball's activities. With his dogs in attendance, he set out and made a careful tour of inspection of the farm buildings. The other animals followed at a respective distance. At every few steps, Napoleon stopped, snuffed the ground for traces of Snowball's footsteps, in which he said he could detect by the smell. He snuffed in every corner, in the barn, the cow shed, the hen houses, vegetable garden, found traces of Snowball almost everywhere. He'd put his snout to the ground and give several deep sniffs, Ad exclaim in a terrible voice, Snowball, he's been here. I can smell him distinctly. And at the word Snowball, all the dogs let out blood-curdling growls and showed their side teeth. The animals were thoroughly frightened. It seemed to them as though Snowball were some kind of invisible influence pervading the air about them, menacing them with all kinds of dangers. In the evening, Squealer called them together with an alarmed expression on his face and told them he had some serious news to report. Comrades, cried Squealer, making little nervous skips, a most terrible thing has been discovered. Snowball has sold himself to Frederick of Pinchfield Farm, who is even now plotting to attack us 
and take our farm away from us. Snowball is to act as his guide when the attack begins. But there's worse than that. We thought that Snowball's rebellion was caused simply by his vanity and ambition. But we were wrong, comrades. Do you know what the real reason was? Snowball was in league with Jones from the very start. He was Jones's secret agent all the time. It's all been proved by documents which he left behind him and which we've only just discovered. To my mind, that explains a great deal, comrades. Did we not see for ourselves how he attempted, fortunately without success, to get us defeated and destroyed at the Battle of the Cowshed? The animals were stupefied. There was a wickedness far outdoing Snowball's destruction of the windmill. But it was some minutes before they could fully take it in. They all remembered, or thought they remembered, how they'd seen Snowball charging ahead of them at the Battle of the Cowshed. How he'd rallied and encouraged them at every turn, and how he'd not paused for an instant, even when the pellets from Jones' gun had wounded his back. At first, it was a little difficult to see how this fitted in with his being on Jones's side. Even Boxer, who seldom asked questions, was puzzled. He lay down, tucked his forehooves beneath him, shut his eyes, and with a hard effort, managed to formulate his thoughts. I do not believe that, he said. Snowball fought bravely at the Battle of Cowshed. I saw him myself. Did we not give him animal hero first class immediately afterwards? Well, that was our mistake, comrade. For we know now it's all written down in the secret documents that we found that in reality... He was trying to lure us to our doom. But he was wounded, said Boxer. We all saw him running with blood. But that was part of the arrangement, cried Squealer. Jones' shot only grazed him. I sh could show you this in his own writing, if you were able to read it. The plot was for Snowball at the critical moment, to give the signal for flight and leave the field to the enemy. And he would very nearly succeed. I will even say, comrades, he would have succeeded if it hadn't been for our heroic leader, Comrade Napoleon. Do you not remember how, just at the moment when Jones and his men had got inside the yard, Snowball suddenly turned and fled, and many animals followed him. And do you not remember, too, that it was just at that moment when panic was spreading and all seemed lost that Comrade Napoleon sprang forward with a cry of death to humanity and sank his teeth into Jones's leg? Surely you remember that, comrades, exclaimed Squealer, frisking, 
from side to side. Now, when Squealer described the scene so graphically, it seemed to the animals they did remember it. At any rate, they remembered this at the critical moment of the battle. Snowball had turned to flee. But Boxer was still a little uneasy. I do not believe that Snowball was a traitor at the beginning, he said finally. What he has done since is different. But I believe that the Battle of the Cowshed, he was a good comrade. Our leader, Comrade Napoleon, announced Squealer, speaking very slowly and firmly, has stated categorically, categorically, comrade, that Snowball was Joan's agent from the very beginning. Yes, and from long before the rebellion was ever thought of. Ah, that's different, said Boxer. If Comrade Napoleon says it, it must be right. That's the spirit, comrade, cried Squealer. But it was noticed he cast a very ugly look at Boxer with his little twinkling eyes. He turned to go, then paused and added impressively, I warn every animal on this farm to keep his eyes very wide open. For we have reason to think some of Snowball's secret agents are lurking among us at this very moment. Four days later, in the late afternoon, Napoleon ordered all the animals to assemble in the yard. Where they were all gathered together, Napoleon emerged from the farmhouse wearing both his medals, for he'd recently awarded himself Animal Hero First Class and Animal Hero Second Class, with his nine huge dogs frisking round him and uttering growls that sent shivers down all the animals' spines. They all cowered silently in their places, seemingly to know in advance that some terrible thing was about to happen. And that's where we leave it off for tonight. George Orwell's Animal Farm, first published back in 1944. We'll continue this again on tomorrow's show. All right. Thanks so much. Before you do uh, check out, by the way, we told you we extended our uh, Trump mugshot t-shirts. Top link in our show notes. Pick one up. After this week, they're gone, gone, never be back. And also Blackout Coffee, one of our great sponsors here on the show. Pick up a bag, do yourself a favor, get yourself a really American company, unbelievably strong, fresh roasted coffee. That is Blackout Coffee. Can't say enough about this brand. It's incredible. All right. I will see you again tomorrow. Enjoy the rest of your day. Snort. <laughs>